could give you a list as long as my arm of things that I would like to see in the plastics treaty. But if I was to kind of prioritize how I think we can get at the goals that we want, which is having a treaty that is rights-based, that addresses both environmental and human health and captures the full life cycle of plastics, I think that we need to consider how we can use some guiding principles to sort of shepherd us in the right direction when it comes to drafting concrete policy. Welcome to Plastosphere, the podcast on plastics, people and the planet. My name is Anja Krieger. Today, I share with you the first installment of a series of short inputs on the Plastics Treaty. This international, legally binding instrument on plastic pollution is currently being drafted by the global community. One of the experts attending the meetings is Christina Dixon from the Environmental Investigation Agency. The EIA is an NGO which has campaigned against environmental crime and abuse since the 1980s, from whaling to ivory trade to ozone depletion and climate change. Chris Dixon is their expert on plastic pollution at the London office, and she sent me food for thought with the voice message you are about to hear. How do we get to a successful plastics treaty? Chris says there are some fundamental principles that can guide us there. So to my mind, there are three things that really jump out as key considerations. One is the precautionary principle. Uh, two is the zero waste hierarchy and three is the polluter pays principle. And I think that embedding these principles within the, the treaty text that we're going to be working on is going to be absolutely critical to get at the kind of accountability that we need to see for plastic producers. So those that are really driving the environmental and human health and human rights issues that are at the root of the plastics issue, but also the kind of transparency piece. You know, there's so much that's involved in the manufacturing and distribution um, and uh, trade and disposal of plastics that we don't know because there's no transparency around plastics um, as a material. So I think that you know being guided by these principles can help us get to some of that information and accountability that will then really drive the solutions that we need to see. I think when it comes to things like polluter pays, you know, you could ask yourself like, well, what does that really mean in practice? And I think in practice that could be things like, you know, taxes on virgin plastics. It could require the producers of plastics to pay into specific funds that are then distributed to help remediate plastic pollution in the environment, just as an example. But I think there are loads more. And when it comes to the precautionary principle, you know, I think that can really sound a bit like, well, what is that legal speak? But it's a really important um, aspect of environmental law. It's about thinking about, well, you know, We don't have to have all the information in order to act. We know enough to know that we should be concerned and acting now will actually be the thing that can help us you know, protect human health and the environment for generations to come. And kind of key elements of this could be things like shifting the burden of proof onto the producers. Um, so at the moment, it's like up to us to demonstrate that materials are not safe um, and that they could pose threat to human or environmental health. Well, how about producers are required to demonstrate that something is safe before it goes to market? Um, that's just an example. But, you know, at its core, it's really about ensuring that those of us that are encountering plastics as a material, you know, as consumers, we have enough information um, to make informed choices. Right now, we don't have access to information and we're not able to make informed choices. And that's that's really a, a critical issue. And then, I mean, the zero waste hierarchy, I don't think is a particularly new concept. I think it will be familiar to a lot of you listening to this. But 
using that as a, as a frame for thinking about the interventions for dealing with plastic pollution is really important. And it helps move us away from a conversation that's just about dealing with recycling or kind of end of life treatments for plastic. It's about well, what are the measures that are actually going to help us not have plastic waste in the first place. So prevention um, and really having those as the first port, port of call and using that kind of lens to view plastic pollution and um, control measures within a treaty, that helps us get at things like capping production. It gets towards like reuse systems, preventing packaging and packaging waste being created in the first place because we're designing it out of the system so that we don't need it. Um, so I think, you know, I could talk all day about this, but those are the three principles that will really help us. And for me, getting those enshrined within the treaty text is a top priority alongside a whole host of other things. That was Chris Dixon from the Environmental Investigation Agency in the UK. I find those guiding principles really helpful as a framework for the treaty. The precautionary principle is an idea that goes back all the way to the 1970s, when the environmental movement was born. It cautions to act on potential harms of human innovations, even when the science is not entirely clear yet. So while the risks of plastics and chemicals are still investigated, it's important to take them serious and act in precaution. The second principle stems from the same era 50 years ago. The polluter pace principle states that polluters cannot leave the burden of dealing with the consequences to communities. But that's what happens today in most countries with plastic pollution. Producers are not paying for the cleanup of plastics and chemical pollution or for the impacts on human health and the environment. If we apply the polluter pace idea, they could be made responsible. And the third principle is the zero waste hierarchy. If you haven't heard about it, look it up online. It's a great guide on how to reduce our waste, from rethinking use and design to disposal as the last resort. That's it for today. Thanks to Chris for her message. If you'd like to share a thought or demand for the Plastics Treaty, you can contribute too. My mailbox is open for your voice messages until the end of the negotiations. I will pick some of these messages for a short podcast episode like this one. You can find recording instructions and my email address in the show notes. See you soon for more Food for Thought.